Hi there and welcome to the Accepted Authority podcast. My name is Greg Roworth and each week I'm your host on the Accepted Authority podcast where we discuss challenges to growing your consultancy practice. And most of those um, discussions we have are centered on the strategy of um, authority positioning, which is the most effective way that you can set yourself up and your firm up to be seen as the market authority, as the expert in your field, so that you're attracting your ideal clients to your firm consistently and predictably. So in today's episode, I want to focus on the challenge that often comes up in our sales meetings and uh, attracting clients, and that is the equation of trust and value. So what is the context around trust and value? What I see for most professional service firms, most consulting firms in their marketing is really focused on value first. And it's all about the services that you offer, the value that you deliver to your clients. You may have case studies. You may even have testimonials on your website. But typically what I see the vast majority of consulting firms are marketing their services, what they do, what the services are about, the the value that those services create for your potential clients. Now, that's all very well because what do our clients buy from us? Ultimately, our clients buy our value. There's no reason to buy our services, no reason to work with us if we don't deliver real value of some sort. And that value ideally can be tangible, but often there's a lot of intangible qualities to the value we offer as well. So there's no doubt that our value is important. Now, what we offer, what we deliver, the results that we achieve are ultimately the most important thing that our clients receive from us. So obviously, we need to promote our value. But let me ask you a question. What happens when you get into a sales conversation where you've been invited, someone's actually responded to your website, they need the services that you offer, and you get into a conversation in a sales meeting, maybe with an individual or a group of people, where they've invited you to come in to potentially present a proposal or to talk about how you can add value to their organisation. In my experience, and I think in the experience of many people, when we get into a conversation like that and start to talk about our value, we hit this invisible, impenetrable barrier. And that barrier is all about trust. So even though our value is the most important factor in getting work with our clients, there's an initial barrier that we need to overcome called trust. Now, that element of trust is so critical to being able to even present our value. 
unless we first establish trust, our value is irrelevant to our clients. And a lot of us realize that there are elements of trust that we need to establish with our clients. And that means that we endeavor to establish that trust through our marketing. And we offer things like our credentials, our experience, maybe case studies and testimonials from our, our clients as well, though, though I don't see so many of those on professional service websites. However, what I see from most consulting firms is a record of their qualifications and experience. You know, how many years have you been collectively? I, uh, it always makes me laugh because I wonder really what the value is if there are five people and you've got a collective experience of 200 years. Um, well, you know, does that really mean anything to your clients? All it means is that you've got a lot of people with some experience. So those sort of attempts to support our value with trust elements, I think we're doing very poorly and in the main. Um, there are some organizations and some companies, some firms establishing trust very well, but I think for the majority, it's a pretty much an unknown quantity. And uh, we make attempts based on what we see other people doing, but I think it's the case of the blind leading the blind um, considerably in that respect. So what are the really effective ways that we can deliver trust? And I think you know, this is the first objective. You know, we don't get to offer value unless our clients first trust us. So we need to overcome that barrier. We need to establish trust first. So before we offer value, we need to be focusing on establishing trust. Even on our websites, I think most professional service websites, as you've heard me say, ad infinitum, most consultancy websites really don't deliver the goods in terms of attracting your ideal clients consistently and predictably. And you've got to look at that and realize that, well, who's responsible? We must be responsible for the message we're delivering. And if that message isn't hitting the mark, if we're not actually attracting our ideal clients through the messaging we have on our website, perhaps we need to take a better look at that and don't just say, well, it's there, people can see it when they hear about us, it's there for credibility. Yes, but no, <laughs> that is not the primary objective of a website. Unfortunately, many of us have defaulted to that fallback position because it's not doing the job we actually want it to do. And the reason for that is we're offering value instead of first establishing trust. So how do we go about establishing trust? 
And I think here is where authority positioning and being seen as the authority in the market is a really important component of establishing trust. We need to be the accepted authority. If we are the accepted authority in the market, there's a very high degree of trust established. And I think it is really the same principle that applies when you are in a sales meeting that has been established through a referral. In a sales meeting where you're responding to a referral or where the, the potential client has met you through a referral, there's a very high element of trust already established. So you don't have the same pushback. You don't have the same resistance when you're in a sales meeting that's been established through a referral as you do in a sales meeting that's come from a website opportunity. And I think that that's very clear. So in a referral sales opportunity, trust is already primarily established through the relationship and the results and the success we've achieved with the clients who've passed on that referral. So what is the clue here in identifying how we establish trust before we get into a sales meeting through marketing generated leads? And if we can achieve that, then there's no doubt our results would skyrocket because when we are in sales meetings where trust is already established, our success rates are so much higher. And that that's why our success rate through referral-generated leads is so much higher than marketing-generated lead sales. So we need to focus on establishing trust through our marketing and being seen as the accepted authority through our marketing. And if we understand that, we need to then start to work on how to achieve that. And I think being seen as the accepted authority comes about because people see that you really know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. And the way that that position is established is by education and not through advertising. It's through positioning, not promotion. When we promote our value, we are seen as marketing-oriented people. It's all about us and what we do. Who cares? That does not establish trust. We're trying to establish value, but before we have trust, we don't get to even offer value or people don't take notice of our value. So we need to establish in our marketing a system that establishes trust. So that's about what we know, yes, not what we do, more so what we know, but there's a saying that goes around and I think the author of this saying or the originator of the saying was Zig Ziglar. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but he says, people don't care how much you know until you know they know how much you care. 
And I think that's the principle that we're talking about here. People don't care about their value until they know they can trust you. People don't care about your value until you've established a level of trust where they're now interested in what you can do because they believe that you have the capability to do it. And really that's the the goal that we're trying to achieve. You know, people won't trust us if they are unsure that we can deliver on what we say we can deliver. They don't trust what we say about our value until they have proof or some level of demonstration that we can deliver on what we say. So our marketing needs to be not about what we do, not about our services, not about our experience and our credentials. Yeah, those things are important, but they're only they entry-level items that get you in the game. Every consultant has qualifications. Every consultant has a level of experience. Yes, you may have more than someone else, but really, what does that mean? Head knowledge does not equate to hands-on experience, and the knowledge from experience always outweighs the intellectual knowledge. You can read 50 books on how to swim, but what happens when you get in the water? That's the real learning. That's where you actually have experiential knowledge. So people understand that. They need to see your hands-on experience, results you've achieved, and how you've achieved that. And we need to demonstrate that knowledge through our content. We need our marketing to be about content that establishes trust by demonstrating our hands-on experiential knowledge. So we need to talk about the problems that our clients have in a level of intimacy that shows them that we really understand what we're talking about and we understand them and what they're feeling and experiencing. One of the highest trust factors, I think, is showing people that you understand. When people feel understood first, then they will give you the opportunity to talk to them. As Stephen Covey said in one of his principles, seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. We need to make people feel comfortable that we really understand them so they're willing to listen to what we have to say. So our content needs to first focus on the problems and the level of intimacy we have with their problems so that they see that we really get it. That's the first step. But everyone has the problem. What's the solution? And I think where we also go to the wrong place a lot of times is that we jump quickly to the solution. We offer our solutions far too quickly. And I think a conversation I was having during the week with someone was exactly about this. He said, I'm sick of the unsolicited advice I'm getting. And this was about having a cold <laughs> and a very nasty cold, I might add. He'd uh, lost his voice and was 
finding it hard to talk, but he said to me, I'm sick of the amount of unsolicited advice I'm being given about how to solve this cold and how to get over it quickly. And they're all, you know, witch doctor remedies or <laughs> in you know, insightful remedies and sometimes well-backed scientific remedies, but he had the whole gamut of solutions offered to him and he's over overwhelmed by it. And I think that's a syndrome that we are starting to experience with what we have to offer when we offer advice. There's so much advice given, free advice, unsolicited advice given on the internet these days. You can Google it and find just about the answer to anything. ChatGPT will give you the answer to just about everything. So who needs your unsolicited advice? You need to, first of all, have permission to give advice. You need to seek permission first before you give advice. So I think we need to break down our content into two elements. First of all, showing we understand the the problems, but then asking permission to deliver our solution or present our solution before we plunge ahead and say, here's how we can fix that. People want to know what you know, but they don't want that unless they're asking for it. So we need to be careful about how we present our solutions and not jump to offering solutions too quickly. I think here is the biggest element. And again, if we're just offering free advice, unsolicited advice, that really does not establish trust anymore. Maybe one day, you know, a time ago, before there was such a proliferation of free advice on the internet, perhaps at one time that was a viable trust factor, but no longer. But asking for permission to present your solution is a high trust factor. The fact that we are sensitive to our clients' feelings, we're sensitive to what they want to know, actually shows that we're more trustworthy. And I think there's another element that comes into it as well. The fact that we're not freely giving advice and hoping that anyone will take it up and come back to us shows that we may be a little bit more discerning. We are not out there ready to offer our advice freely to everyone we are willing to wait until we have the right people to offer our advice to. We're not there freely, willy-nilly offering advice and hoping that everyone in the world will pick it up and come to us to ask for help. We are discriminating in the right way. We are discerning about who we feel will achieve the best value from our advice, and we will reserve giving that advice to those people, those organisations alone. It's not for everyone. So being discriminating, I'll use that word again, (laughs) although we use that word with a high degree of risk these days, but I hope you get my intention here. We need to be discriminating about who we're offering our advice to. 
because if we know who actually achieves the best value from our advice and our services and we reserve it for them only, again, the level of trust in us goes up. So there are just a few areas that I think we need to pay attention to in our marketing. How do we focus on communicating a level of understanding of our clients' problems first? How do we get permission to then talk about our solutions without offering it freely, willy-nilly to everyone? And then how do we show that what we have to offer is for a certain set of people and that level of trust that we have by only matching our solution with the right people increases the level of trust that we we have and increases the level of trust that people have in us. So pay attention. How can you change the way you market so that trust is first? Trust must be established before we offer value. Again, if you want to know more about how to deliver trust before value and how to avoid some of the common mistakes that I see in the way that most consulting firms are marketing their services, I have a free ebook. And if this is right for you, you'll know it's not for everyone, but only for people in the consulting game who are looking to grow their practice and who know that they need to be attracting more premium level clients consistently and predictably. So if that's you, you might find my ebook called The 10 Mistakes That Show Why Marketing Your Professional, Why Marketing Your Consulting Services Doesn't Work. If you're interested in a copy of that, then just make a comment below or reach out to me and uh, ask for that. I'm not going to present that freely or willy-nilly. If you feel it's right for you, then let me um, know that you want that and I'll make sure you get a copy of that. So if you want to reach out to me, you can do that through my website at businessflightpath.com or reach out on LinkedIn or Facebook. Just search for Greg Roworth and you'll find me easily enough and send me a, a direct message there and uh, make contact. I'd love to know uh, who you are and uh, what you do and how uh, much value you're finding in uh, my material and ideally from this podcast. And hopefully we've established a level of trust in uh, the way we're delivering our podcasts and offering the value that we have to offer. So I'll wrap it up there for today. This has been Greg Roworth with the Accepted Authority podcast. I'll catch you all next week.